and welcome to the Metal Hammer podcast episode 16. How's everyone doing? Really good. It's weird that you're not Merlin. I'm not Merlin. <laughs> Correctly <laughs> identified. He is not here. He's away. Somewhere in Spain. And we are joined instead by Jonathan. I'm doing very well indeed. Today is the best day ever because it's new issue day. Woo! We have got an amazing issue for you guys. It's an Avenged Sevenfold special with everything that you ever wanted to know about Avenged Sevenfold right now. We hang out with them in Orange County. There's each member interviewed. We spoke to their families. We spoke to the Rev's parents. And there are three exclusive Avenged Sevenfold gifts. We've got a covered CD with fuzzy shapes betraying the martyrs upon a burning body. You can't get these songs anywhere else. Not on iTunes, not on Spotify, not on YouTube. Only with Metal Hammer. And there's a sticker. Guys, have you seen the sticker? <laughs> there is, it's on the window behind my desk. The sticker's amazing. It's a zombie spaceman from the stage. Yeah, is that, what, is that his technical name? The zombie spaceman? That's what I'm calling him, Luke. Yeah, is that alright? The zombie naught. Is that a thing? I don't know, that's a thing. If you stick it on your window, it looks incredible. It just It's kind of holographic looking, right? Yeah, yeah the sun comes yeah, through and you can just see. Just space zombie, that sounds cool enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's quite space zombie. Free space zombie. And there's also two amazing free posters on there as well. One with the whole lineup, and one with a couple of the guys, Sinazaki, I think, playing along on guitar on stage. <laughs> Having a lovely time. Having a lovely, Having a lovely time. little play. Yeah. So that's three free Avenged gifts, all the Avenged action. It's just pretty much an Avenged fest. So if you like Avenged, go pick it up. But apart from that, what else is in the issue, Luke? Tons of stuff. We've I- got. Cancer Bats, Children of Bodom, Nurgle, Five Finger Death Punch, Ozzy Osbourne, Tesseract, Code Orange, Lamb of God, Thrash, Ghost, Jonathan Davis, Yob, Immortal. Fucking hell. Yep, the return of Immortal. Um, and what a strange long saga that's been. Yeah, Jonathan, quickly fill us in. Okay, so they were working on an album a couple of years ago, then all went to shit, and um, they kind of split and went their separate ways. So Abbott went off and did his solo um, project, and we've been waiting ever since for an Immortal album, and it's now finally upon us. And so if one if it's any good, the answer is fuck yes. <laughs> it is actually really good. No, no, one, no one had any idea what to expect from it, but it's, um, it's not only does it really solid, it's really raging, it's still got some of the atmosphere. Obviously there's things that Abbott bought that weren't anymore, but anyway, we talked to Demonaz um, about um, the aftermath of the split and, and the new album, and he has a lot to say. That's immortal, only in the new issue of Metal Hammer. All that, all the Avengers stuff, everything, out now. Uh, I'd also just like to say that the Yob story we've got is pretty amazing as well too. That, um, one of the most, kind of, the band that probably defines Yoga Doom also too. The, um, Yoga Doom. Yoga Doom. I think, that's, I think that's even a better combination of words than cellar door. <laughs> more <laughs> that's, pleasing. That's Jonathan's favourite combination. It is, yeah, my, yeah. It's my new combination. So, you know, but they're kind of a very spiritual kind of doom band. They're, they're always the, almost like the most important band at Roadburn. And um, singer Mike Scheidt, he um, nearly died. And um, like very close to death, had intestinal infection. And People would think like spiritual bands, you know, it's all very vague and wishy-washy. But um, he called upon all his beliefs to uh, get through it and to make the new album. And it's an amazing story, and you've got that um, in the next issue, in the newest of Metal Hammer as well too. That's very cool. And talking of life and celebrating life, 
The golden gods is almost upon us. <laughs> is, that, is that a celebration of life? I it think, is. Yeah. It's a celebration Everything of booze. Everything metal. <laughs> a celebration of booze. booze yeah, a celebration metal. of shortening your life. It, anyway, golden gods coming up. I'm so excited. We just announced Merca, and that's going to be fucking brilliant. And you've also got Meshuggah and Carpenter Brute and more. That's right. Voting is closed, but tickets are on sale now, so go and get them. And you can come and see Meshuggah. You see an exclusive acoustic set from Merca. Carpenter Brute is going to be coming with an amazing show. And there's two more bands to be announced. There's a headliner and another band. When you know the headliner, you're going to shit yourself. It's so good. Come and see Luke shit himself. <laughs> get your tickets me. now. Yeah, get your tickets to see me shit myself. It's going to be great. Golden Gods... Tickets on sale now. Go and get them. Other things that have been happening. Jennifer, you went to Incineration Festival. Yep, another festival. When will they ever stop? Uh, this one, <laughs> it's been going for five years now. It's kind of a straightforward death and black metal uh, festival. Um, and it always sells out. And it's always like a really good sign of how strong the metal scene is. You know, particularly the extreme metal scene. So not only do they have um, Abbott playing, uh, around about the same time as the Immortal Lab is coming out, and... Shocker, it was not a disaster. What? I know. <laughs> it was really good. It was really good, actually. Um, I mean, the sound wasn't particularly brilliant for him. I think most PAs need a much more definition than he ever gets. But, um, but he was on form. Um, who else played Talker? Um, no, no Nazis at the gig. It was... Uh, <laughs> 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 no, the thing is, it's just, it's, 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 it's just a rock and roll... Is just a rock and roll star, basically, in, in, in black metal form. And um, strangely upbeat for a black metal gig. Um, and it was, uh, it was great. Um, uh, Ryan Christ was just the most exhilarating I've ever seen him play. Just a room full of just people losing their shit. Um, and discovered some really good new bands. And a British band called Aklash, very atmospheric, but still very black metal. Um, an all-female black metal band called Essagram, who were um, absolutely mesmerising. Mm. Um, you know, one of those band, black metal bands that kind of not quite avant-garde but kind of hits one riff and just lets that resonate until you can't really find the toilets or your own <laughs> come on guys how do you toilet references yeah. you know you, you, just, you just get a bit lost and you don't you, you lose a little bit of sense of time and space sounds amazing yeah so yeah so good t- yeah that was so it was a really really good festival uh, really good vibe really upbeat friendly vibe and um, everyone should go next year what else has been happening, Luke? Well, Clutch have announced a new album, guys. That's it's coming, good, isn't it? Uh, it? It is good. I, I'm. I got into Clutch quite late. I, I never really listened to them until I started at Metal Hammer. Like, they were never really sort of on my radar. But as soon as I started working here, it was just like, what have I been doing with my life? Everyone in this office loves this band, and now they're on to their what their what number album it is now? Twelve. Twelve like, studio albums. Yeah. Called Book of Bad Decisions, which has got a wicked album art. I think it was you that pointed it out. Yes. Yeah. Very regal looking eagle. I'm a fan of eagles. A regal eagle. It's, it's, you are a fan of eagles because you're a fan of every flying animal <laughs> and every wet animal. But yeah, it's called yeah, Back of Book of Bad Decisions and it's coming out September 7th. And drummer uh, Jean Paul Gaster said, as, and I quote, uh, with Vance Powell as producer, we were able to make a very different kind of album. The songs feel as they could jump out of your speakers. I don't know what he means by a very different kind of album. I imagine it's riffs. Hmm. That's interesting, isn't it? A prog clutcher. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what we want? I'm a bit like you, Luke. I am... Um... I'm from Manchester and I went to the local record shop and bought... And clutch a band in Manchester. (laughs) 
I bought um, Live at the Googleplex, which somebody had given to the shop as some kind of promo demo. It's just this little cardboard sleeve. And I kind of listened to it, but I didn't really connect with it. And it wasn't until I started listening to the proper albums and seeing them live that I went, wow, Clutch are awesome. Like, so many riffs, so much fun, danceable. And now I'm just so excited that I still get to see them. They're, you know, it's not a band that I sort of missed, which was almost the danger. Yeah. I've, got, I've, I've got like a white label of their early EPs off on Earache. I've Day been, one. Uh, yeah. Super fans yeah, of this yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I love this band. And it's, you know, they've kind of got the Southern vibe to them, but there's nothing, they're not trying to be Southern. There's no, there's no try hard about them. They totally kind of inhabit their own world. And it's just where they, you know, it's just, um, it's totally, uh, you know, where they come from, this whole kind of like just south of the Mason-Dixon line, the kind of like southern rock, but still got that kind of hard edge you get from like living near DC. Mm. And um, and it's just, you know, every album you can you can find yourself, even though they're not that different, you can still find yourself living inside of each one. You know, they've got such really interesting tales to them. It's got such a great voice. You can tell like that they're really having fun and they're not trying... They're not trying to be trad. They're not trying to be different. You know, they're not trying to be avant-garde, but they they've got their own d- dynamic. That just seems to be endless resource. Good yeah. times. Yeah, I love uh, yeah, I, new, I, I love new, that band and they're great life. New direction. What's it going to be? I don't know. I'm sure it's going to be a minimal new direction. But you know, Clutch fans will be. The thing is, we listen to a Clutch album, you dive into it, and each album you can you still take it on its own terms. You don't think of it as just another. Clutch album, you find yourself kind of living inside of it for quite a while. Well, bassist Dan Mains went on to say, um, recording in Nashville gave us a new and fresh approach to making the album. So I don't know whether they're going to go full, full, uh, full Nashville. Everyone's going country nowadays. <laughs> a devil driver. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, remember, that's it's, the, that's the new, it's the new thing. It's the new thing. New country. You heard it here first. Well, right, what so else is going on, Jonathan? Uh, well, Corn are playing three for the leader shows in the US. I'm so excited about this. I wish I could go though. Please bring it to the UK. Is Follow the Leader a big album for you in terms of little mini Mosher Eleanor? Oh, I just you can't fuck with Freak on a Leash, can you? And you know, I did feel like that was sort of a good description of young me. <laughs> <laughs> it spoke to me, man. I love Freak on a Leash. Got the life. Another tune and dead bodies everywhere. Yeah, you were singing that earlier. I was having a little sing to myself. I really want them to bring it over. I would love to see that again. I didn't get to see it at the time, and obviously I've seen them play those songs. But it'd be nice to hear them do it. It's weird that only doing three. Like we this is a twentieth anniversary show. You'd, you'd think they'd at least do a tour or something but maybe but I guess Jonathan Davis is doing his own thing at the minute yeah I, I mean bands are but... a bit split aren't they some bands want to do it because they want to celebrate a certain part of their career or they want to do it for financial reasons and some bands are really against it because they want to move forward and they think it's looking back and with Korn they're still a very current band and Jonathan mm. Davis is still doing his solo stuff so I don't know whether it's a kind of you know acknowledgement but without going fully in or what I don't know what the thinking is behind it I think that's probably it, in that they are, they've always been a forward-thinking band in terms of you know, the albums they produce. And because, yeah, when we went to go see them last time they were around at Wembley, it was not a greatest hit set. Obviously, there was you know some golden oddies in there, but it was still like a load of new album stuff in there. They're never one. They're always you know proud of what they've made lately. So they probably not want a band that are going to look back, but it's probably just a nice little tip of the hat to 
Remember when we wrote Freak on the Leash 20 years ago? We're wicked, but we've also got this. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's exactly how they think. <laughs> I, I, imagine, I imagine so. If I, if, I woke, if I woke up in the morning and I was in corn, I'd go, yeah, fucking, I'm in corn. <laughs> this is awesome. It's a little insight to Luke's brain yeah. there, I I would go for Life is Peachy. Well, that was interesting. There. Maybe because that's kind of the period that I kind of discovered him. It was actually actually the first band I ever interviewed for Metal Hammer. Really? Yeah, yeah back in 97. Wow. So I went up to Wales to... Um, so that was pre-Follow the Leader. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, remember, I just remember like the time, like obviously not entirely sure about this whole new metal thing, but um, they always had this most amazing rhythm section and they were the one band that I really, really liked. Mm. And um, it's such an unusual rhythm section. And... Uh, yeah, I saw them live, and I saw them live around that time in um, mm. Brixton Academy, and it was amazing as well, as well as seeing them in Wales. And it was—I mean, they were huge then, and it was um, yeah, it was amazing at the time. We also went to see him in Liverpool, and he had, someone stole his um, Adidas, his special uh, Lame Adidas top. Oh no! In Liverpool, which is just like, <laughs> <laughs> but they—they they managed to catch they. They, they caught the guy because he was walking around Liverpool in a gold in a one-off gold lame top. <laughs> Cardinal amazing. Cardinal That's era. amazing. Yeah. I'm sorry for the North. But I have to apologise for the North. Sorry. Sorry, Corn. Yeah. Okay, Avengers Temple <laughs> yeah. on the cover. Exciting times. We've already been through this, but you can get your free Avengers cover CD. You can get your free zombie sticker. You can space get your zombie. Space zombie, space sticker. zombie sticker. You can get your two free posters and all the Avengers Sevenfold action. Obviously, they are going to be headlining download soon. What do we think about that? I'm I'm in on it. To be honest, like I last time they headlined, what was it? Four years ago, maybe. And on Hail to the King, I was admittedly a bit non-plus because I didn't really like Hail to the King. Did you not? Uh, no. That was the album that actually pulled me in because before that I liked the odd song, but I wasn't really in on them. Okay, because I used to, I did like quite a bit of them before. I, used to, I liked the, the, the weirdest stuff, like Little Piece of Heaven, I think, probably still my favourite song. And then like City of Evil was a great album, the self-title I thought, you know, it was good. But yeah, Hell to the King, I just think it was just a bit... I was a bit miffed that it, <laughs> it sounded too trad. And then... But but on but the stage, I really, really like. I think the stage is a great album. And after we saw them at the O2... Yeah. ...last year. And the stage show they're bringing, it, which I imagine will be very similar to the one at the O2, is going to be wicked. It's going to be it's going to be a lotto fun, I think. It's, and it's, I just hope that... I hope the weather's good. That's, that's my only, my, my always big, biggest criticism of Download. I hope the weather's good for them. Otherwise, it'll be a bit of a shame. But I think them, the choice of them headlining is a no-brainer. Like, they're one of the biggest bands in metal right now. I hope they bring the Spaceman. <laughs> just, just an astronaut walks out. They had a waves. Spaceman at the A2. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The little... It's quite big. Balloon. Yeah. yeah. I hope they bring him back. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a space element to it. Well, what about you, Jonathan? Obviously, you're sit at the extreme end of yeah. Hammer, so your tastes <coughs> perhaps are a little bit different to mine and Luke's. What mm. do you think they mean to metal in 2018? Well, the one thing I'll say in their favour is that you know they have kind of brought together a lot of different strands of metal, and I think metal needs that in a way. Like it's kind of orientating. Like you know they're bringing they're brought in elements of hardcore, classic metal. I don't. I wouldn't see going to tread necessarily as a pejorative. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think, um, you know, I still think we need bands to uphold kind of 
core values of metal so we don't forget what it is mm. um, in the you know in the face of like all the different shifts it's going through so and the fact that they're still kind of very much tied into an idea at least of what core metal you know what heavy metal is I think is a, contributes a large part to why they are so huge and um, so I think it's a way in for people um, into the whole kind of history of metal because there's there's a lot of that wrapped up in what they do mm. and um, clearly they've, they've got their own kind of take on it and their own personalities you know um, and to be, you know, obviously people get it through the personalities as well but um but that's one thing I will say in their favour is that they do uh, tie in a lot of different things. I think, and they are, you know, they, they are aware of their legacy, you know, of, of the history of metal, which mm. I think is um is not something you can say for a lot of bands coming up at the moment. I think I think Avenged get a lot of stick uh, for because yeah they are really a group of good looking guys that uh, you know have that are massive and so they they're just going to get stick whatever. But they are. What you were saying, Jonathan, I agree. They are a metal band, whichever way you look at it, they're playing heavy metal. It might not be good to your taste, but they are a metal band. And as I mentioned it earlier, off mic, um, that they're, they're proof that it, it works. If you release albums and you tour albums and you keep going and going and improving and improving and getting bigger and bigger, then you will end up being a head festival headliner. That is just how it works. Like they started off as kids who were wearing vampire makeup and writing silly you know, love songs and now they're you know, supporting Metallica at stadiums in the US it's like the, it, something you know it's, it's a great thing for metal that it still works that way and that they're the, they're the only bands from, since Slipknot to do that Five Finger are on the cusp of doing it we know that but it's they're the only band that have, that have you know they've headlined this will be the second time they've headlined Download and their first album came out in 2001 which is mm. which is crazy, yeah. really, when you look at you know I mean, the two headliners are Guns N' Roses and Ozzy. I mean, they had um, kind of a, a kind of a cult following from the you know from almost the very beginning, at least from the second album. Almost like you know every time they played London, you know you you see people at the venue like uh, you know from uh, from the morning onwards. So I mean, they had something to grow from. So it wasn't it's not just it wasn't just hard work. They had something that. Um, you know, people picked up on that was um, some kind of charisma, I guess, that um, mm. that attracted a kind of following. Whether it's the look they had at the time, uh, but um, but you, you need to have that to as a base to grow from. Yeah, I think it's funny when they started to get big. So I think younger people were maybe attracted to the image and the edginess and that kind of thing, and older people were maybe a bit put off by some of their off-stage antics. We speak to their manager in the issue, which is quite interesting, and he kind of says, oh, I could see something really big at the beginning, and I told them not to do stupid stuff like trash hotel rooms, but they still did it. <laughs> and he sort of talks about having to pay all their bills and things. Um, and they're very different people now to what they were back then, and I think you can see through the interviews that they've really evolved. So maybe it kind of helped them get attention at the beginning, this sort of like bad boy, in inverted commas thing. Mm. But actually they've managed to grow into themselves and grow into their music and now they're something that a lot of people can agree on rather than kind of a small contingent, I guess. It's really interesting to talk to them again in this issue, actually, because they've all got their own distinct personalities and sometimes you can't see them because they're not on social media. But I think, Mm. again, like, if you read it, they've all kind of got a defined role in the band, like, they're all doing something to make it work and they're fucking determined, I think, so... 
that's good in this day and age. You've got to be with it, you know, things the way they are. If you want something, you've got to try and push through and get it. Yeah, I don't think they're going to see down, headline download as the end point either. Like, admittedly, that's, you know, the biggest, you know, you could see that as that's the biggest you could possibly be, but it's not. You know, you're, they're not doing stadium tours, they're doing arena tours. You know, they, they're not, you know, they're not as big as Metallica, but I think they probably still want to be. You know, I think they'll be, they've said it in the past, we want to be the next Metallica. Yeah. And, they, you know, it could happen. Yeah, they're still the only what? But late thirties, yeah. are they? You know, they've got they could, look at the Rolling Stones. The revenge could be here for another forty years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you think about that, Jonathan? Forty more years of Avenged. Well, let's just say, okay, I will say that, like you know, like bands like Metallica, they um, both defined their era, their era. You know, like the music they made could only have come out at that particular time. You know, like the whole thrashing in the, in the wake of you know the nuclear scare, um, and. And also, they Metallica unite all strata of metal fans, from the most most cult metal fan, you know, to um, to the most you know to the newest metal fan. Mm. Um, I think doing that is hard to replicate mm. by anyone. No, I think they're having you. a good go at it, though. Like Luke said, sort of, they toured with Metallica last year yeah. and went to some of those venues, and they've definitely got their sights set on those venues. Yeah. If they can. Like you made the good point about them, kind of unhails the king, nodding to traditional metal. Yeah. And the stage is progressive. If they can kind of unite the ages, that's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if I don't know if they can, I mean, it's just it's not just much the ages. It's the kind of the different strata of metal fans, and also just something that kind of resonates with the times. I mean, that's I think that's I think um, something that that's you know it's very hard. You know, let's just say like you know a band like Radiohead, they got huge because it was. They totally defined what it felt like to be living at the end of the '90s and the edge of the millennium, and and just after. And um, you know, Metallica totally uh, was totally about what it felt like to be living in this kind of fear when you're constantly on the alert because you're thinking it's going to be mm. a nuclear war. And I always thought those like thrash riffs, those really choppy thrash riffs, were like um, your body, you know, similar to like your body constantly tensing. Because when I was a kid in the '80s. I kept thinking I was going to hear the nuclear one. I'd always be tensing up all the time. And for me, thrash is the sound of like your, your muscles constantly tensing. Those kind of taut, choppy riffs. Um, it's going on a bit of a diversion there. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but I personally don't see that many bands um, like completely tied into an experience of what it is to live in, living in this day and age. And it's largely because it's a very, cause, um, it's a very hard thing to put your finger on now. Um, when everything is shifting and changing at such an increasingly fast rate. Mm. I think um, they probably had a stab at that with the stage, you know, because there's a lot, thematically, there's a lot of kind of global themes that they were talking yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you chatted to them, didn't you, Luke? Yeah, there's a lot. It's the first time they've probably been more overt. Well, a lot of it's supposed to do with, I don't remember now, there's bits about religion in there, I think there's bits about sort of society, there's bits about politics, a lot about humanity in space and how you know, we should all be working together to you know, save the planet effectively and not you know, fuck each other in a negative sense um, <laughs> but, but yeah I think they're, they're, they're more woke than they've ever been I think uh, on that record and I don't know whether that will continue but hopefully, hopefully it does you, know, you need you know, metal bands to say something yeah, I mean, it isn't, you don't even have to say something. It's just or mean something. Yeah, but sometimes it, you, it's in that visceral experience, which is what metal bands are really good for. You know, I'm sure, like you know, there are a lot of metal bands just talking, about, metal thrash bands just talking about zombies and things. But 
physically it was still a reaction to mm. you know the fears of that particular era and um so sometimes you just want it as a purely as a, as a visceral experience well let's see where they go it's going to be cool excited. i'm excited to see them at download pick up the issue whatever you think about it, avenge sevenfold this could change your mind have a read get the issue on to some reader questions luke do you want to do the first one go on uh, Aidan Rutter asks, uh, is there any purpose in asking who are the, quote, next popular band? Metallica were never called the next Judas Priest or anything. Why do we hold other bands to the same standard? Ghost, even if they sound like the 70s, aren't the next Blue Oyster Cult. They're their own thing. Wow. Well, I think that's a really good question. Go on then, Jonathan. Um, I think he's got a point. I think... Um, you know, sometimes the weight of history weighs too heavily on bands. And um, if you get, say you're going to be the next Metallica, well, you're you're going to be uh, opening up a huge possible discrepancy between what you think you are and what you really are, mm-hmm. or what you want to be and what you really are. And if you're too self-conscious about what you're trying to achieve, you're never really going to achieve it. Yeah, I think just trying to be the next big thing is... We're all looking for it, but... Um, as you know, like no one does a viral video consciously. Mm. You know, it all happen unconsciously, and um, I just think this this kind of everyone's kind of fretting too much to kind of properly perform. <laughs> well, it's kind of like the Trivium thing when they were like, "We want to be the next Metallica," and then it kind of came back and bit them on the ass because everyone kept going on about it all the time. And I think now when people say it, it does sound tired as well because obviously they were talking about it like yeah, but, 15, but, but, 15 years yeah, ago. But what, what does it mean? I mean, I think a lot of bands it means like you think, okay, if you play some Metall- add some Metallica style riffs, but um, there, there was an attitude to Metallica that either you have it or you don't, and you can't replicate it. And if you have that attitude, it can come out in all new different forms. But do you get that same primal, you know, do you get that same primal feeling you get when you hear, like, in the first three Metallica albums? That's, that's the thing. Mm. And um, and if it's primal, it will come out in, and if you can tap into it, you can come out in all different kinds of forms. You know, I guess it's the spirit more than the music, I think, people need to be thinking about. I guess this question as well, it's like, is there any purpose in asking who are the next popular band? There's a difference between, like, people who are music fans asking who it's going to be and fans themselves saying they're going to be a certain band which you can see why they do that to kind of align align themselves with a certain band that they want to be aligned with and sort of project what they're going to do but yeah like I guess us asking it's more just I I think you you sort of shot it briefly there Jonathan about how people don't set out to make a a viral video it just sort of happens and generally speaking I think we're probably maybe not all guilty but you know the music press in general is guilty of going, this band are going to be massive, and then they're nothing. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you genuinely, 90% of the time, don't know which bands are going to be big. It just sort of happens around you. It's not, you know, it's not up to any one person to choose who's going to be the next you know, big band. You know, there's, there's probably bands now that are you know, playing to you know, loads of people and have a massive following that will be we're just not aware of or, or, or the you know, metal scene at large isn't aware of but it's also it's also diff- difficult because you know metal's much less of a monoculture than it used to be yeah, yeah. so um, so it's almost like you know you're, you're playing into a hall of mirrors and like everything you play is going to be reflected is going to be like reflected into a different direction mm-hmm. and you know it's going to hit some people not hit some people I mean you know Vain Sunfall a case in point you know like 
probably like you know hardcore extreme metal fans, they're never going to um, get into Avenged Sevenfold in the way that like um, young, younger fans are. And um, and it's just you know Metallica, Maiden, they were the band, ACDC perhaps they were the bands that like even the most patched up guy will love and and then and the new fan will love. And um, it's there's too many kind of there's so many competing ideas of what heavy metal is now and you know and not everyone is kind of feel is either plugged into the whole kind of history that the whole thing that binds it together or mm. feels they need to be even when you've got all this information at your fingertips you know on Spotify Apple Music whatever people will still kind of go into their little enclaves and that you know that's that's kind of fine but it just it just means that there's less of a single culture for a band to hit like you know all sides of the park and there's a lot of positives to that you know not being restricted you know why restrict yourself to one ideal yeah I mean yeah I mean you know people can you know there, there's certain niches and people can go like in extreme metal you know people can go deep into one kind of niche um, and you know really exploit it but um, I just think that um, if you're into metal you should know you know you'll get a lot more out of it if you Understand if you know the history of it, and if um, you know there's so much, so many rich to delve into. I, I also think you know it's good to think of metal as holistically in a way that you know that's why it still survived when um, so many other genres kind of come and go. Mm. Um, is that kind of sense of lineage and something that binds it all together, an idea that binds it all together. And uh, sometimes I think that gets lost in the kind of crazy world of um, internet and just skimming everything well moving on Adam Boone asks which two people in the metal world would you choose to play Walter White and Jesse Pinkman in a remake of Breaking Bad the first person that came to mind for Walter White I was like okay I need a, I need a bald man I just thought of Scotty in. I, I don't know why literally uh, based on physical appearance yeah it is like, I, I was thinking of um, Devin Townsend oh okay oh, Devin Professor you know. yeah you can see I you can see, see Devin that. Yeah, that yeah. and I bet actually He'd be really good at playing a straight role. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes we, like people you always think of uh, comedic followers, remember like, um, Robbie Coltrane and Cracker, and you know, people actually forget he was, he was a comedy actor beforehand. So I bet Devin Townsend could, could, could like go from like crazy professor to a really straight role quite well. He'd look quite cool in that Heisenberg hat as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but for Jesse, I couldn't really, I was trying to think, because you want like a lovable idiot that, you know, that you just want to do well, even though he's a, you know, a, a bad person. So I, I, I couldn't really, th- I couldn't really think of, of who could be De- Fred Durst. Could you just have Freddie, <laughs> Fred Durst, and Jesse Penguin? It's just like oh Fred, you know, fine. Devin Townsend and Fred Durst, even though they're probably, I don't even know the same age. But Jesse, obviously, Jesse would have to be younger than Walter. Well, I don't we, know. We can, we can do costumes and makeup. It's fine. You can do anything nowadays, Luke. It's true. Yeah, CGI. Yeah. I can see Matt Heafy playing. Um, Matt Heafy is a little Jesse Pinkman. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Anna? You've not mentioned anyone. That's because I've only seen three episodes. What? So I'm aware of it, but... Because basically I watched three episodes and it was really fucking depressing. Yeah. And I was <laughs> like, I'm going to come back to this later and just never did. And now I feel like it's too late. Is it too late? Well, never. No, because it's all over now. So you can just watch it all knowing that there's no more to come. I actually went to Albuquerque and didn't do the Breaking Bad tour because of the whole, like, not having watched it yet. spoilers. So I went to the zoo instead. Probably less meth. (laughs) 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 
Yeah, that's my homework, isn't it? Watch Breaking Bad. Yeah. Well, there's only, what is it, like 50-odd episodes? Fine, yeah. yeah. Six seasons, was it? Six just yeah, block, just block right. out a weekend. Yeah, fuck it. Do Lost while I'm at it. No, no, don't, no don't, 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 don't. Never did that. So. No, Lost is rubbish. The, the monster's just a lie. Oh, yeah, thanks, thanks for ruining it. Yeah, no, they just they just had no idea what they were going to do, and you could you could tell that from the very first episode that um, yeah. that they hadn't really thought this. Yeah, story. written into a hole about five episodes in. Brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you want to do the next question, Jonathan? Yeah. So um, Cole Gable asks: Is there any album that's almost perfect in your mind, but has one or two issues with it that causes it to just fall short of being a masterpiece? Mm. It's I, a very specific question. It's a very specific question, and I've only, I've. The thing that makes me turn not not turn an album off, but sort of makes me think I've sick an album on and go instantly, this is great, and then maybe fall out of love with it a bit later on is just if it's too long. Length is a is because I'm you know a dirty millennial. I, I you know I switch off after a certain period of time, and generally speaking, the albums that I think are really good but fall short are ones that are too long. Uh, the latest Metallica album would have been great if it was one disc. And the latest the, machine had album, I think, it's way too long. But the the one I thought about of this because Slipknot, my favorite band, of course they are. They're the greatest band in the world. Iowa, Iowa is a ten out of ten album. The first Slipknot record I think is too long uh, because I think it's like seventeen tracks or something, and a lot of it was and it's top heavy, admittedly. It's still a nine out of ten album, nine point five out of ten album because they're the greatest band of all time. You but said I'm saying it again, but I, yeah, it's, it's, it's again, it's just length. You, you do switch off if, if it doesn't make if it just doesn't maintain a, a certain level, and that's the one I can think of really. But yeah, it's just records that just go on. Ten tracks, just ten to thirteen tracks. That's all you need. Well, there you go. Yeah. I kind of agree with you on length in a way. Like you mentioned, the Machine Head record. I know it's controversial, but I quite like Catharsis. But I did think it was a little bit long kind of towards the end but I think the sticking point for me was really Bastards I know a lot of people were really into Bastards it was a very honest song but I still skip that when it comes on and I just kind of for me it's I'd rather it wasn't on there so yeah I guess that's the most recent example for mm. me and then some things can kind of be ruined by popular culture which is a bit of a shame like I love the downward spiral but I've heard closer so many times now it sort of stands out too much on the record. So when you put the record on, it's sort of, you go from listening in one kind of mindset to listening in another kind of mindset, if that makes sense. It's sort of too familiar when you listen to it. So that kind of ruins it a little bit for me, I think, even though it's a great song. Yeah, when you do put on Nevermind, you do tend to skip Smells Like Teen Spirit yeah, when it comes Yeah, exactly. On. It's just kind of, it's a different bit of your brain almost. You're like, it just switches to over-familiarity. No, I, I don't know. I, I, Every time I hear Smells Like Teen Spirit, I feel like I'm hearing it for the first time. It is a great song. So, um, yeah, it's just like, it's like going to a DJ, you know, someone DJ metal and then playing Rain, like Rain and Blood. It's just, um, yeah, I'm nervous. you know it's coming. You, you, <laughs> and um, you know, just go, every time you hear it. So I don't, I don't get that with um, a familiarity with albums. I've got one or two albums maybe that I, there's, maybe there's one track I, I fast forward through. I think it just breaks the flow for me. It, I don't, I still love the track, but if I'm listening to it, all in one, it kind of takes me out of the experience in a way. Oh, I don't know. I, I see. I'm, I'm an albums guy. I just, I just listen to. I don't, I don't put things on shuffle. I just listen to mm. albums. So I just kind of go into the space of the album, and and so I probably wouldn't get that listening to. Never mind. 
Um, yeah, I can't. I, I can't think of any one particular album that um, I thought. Oh, if only they didn't do this, it would be the yeah, most amazing yeah. thing ever. I mean, normally the albums that I love are just are just kind of like genuinely, almost like for me, perfectly conceived. Um, like say, Richard de la Vitral, There's nothing I would change about. You're that obsessed record. with that record. It's just. Makes me so happy. <laughs> it's one of my You've favorite. never mentioned it before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just it just makes me so happy, and it's just it's such a it. Someone, someone reviewed it and said it's like they rock out on 360 degrees, and it was kind of yeah, just yeah, one, just one of the most perfect records ever made, quite frankly. And it's just because it's that person's mind, you know, and and an amazing guitarist as well too. So um, I can't think of anything I would change about that, for instance. Fair enough. This uh, one comes from Twitter, and at Debadonk uh, asks. Uh, you, know, you can't see this, but Luke's got a blue mouth, which oh, makes no. that kind of even funny. <laughs> Someone, I'll say Fraser from Classic Rock, has recently came back from uh, France and brought sweets, and there are some very sour blue sweets in the office. Luke's They're, entire mouth They have blue. broken half of the office. I think me <laughs> and Luke are the only people who can handle them. Yes, Vanessa from Melhammer had to spit hers out, as did Dowell from Classic Rock. They couldn't take how sour it was. I did not realise my mouth was blue. So. It is Luke, carry Excellent. on. So, Debadonk uh, asks, or Pantera, pa, Pantera reunion with Zach, question mark, we are all not living forever, you know. Do you think it'll happen? I hope not. Uh, that's just weird, isn't it, really? I sort of feel like it's kind of, Pantera's hermetically sealed up. Hmm. I want it to happen selfishly because I never saw Pantera. Me either. But at the same time, you... I don't. I don't quite get why Zach's been sort of nominated as the guy to do it either. Everyone's just sort of agreed that Zach He's is the, the guy to do it. Nominated man. Um, and you sort of. Someone floated the idea recently. I, I can't remember if it's in the in the office or I saw, or saw it online of it being like a revolving guitarist. Like they'll do a, they'll do a show and it was different like guitarists. Benefit concert. Yeah. Type so like someone will come out and do a different song. Whatever. And I'd sort of be into that, but not as a reunion. It would literally just be a one-off show there's no need for any of them to suddenly start doing it again and I think that I think it would maybe tarnish their legacy but at the same time I'd like to see it because I've never seen them I agree with you like I've never seen them so I'd really like to see them doing something like that with different people in it's just out of all the bands that have stopped I <laughs> can't think of a different word <laughs> Cease to be. Yeah, that's the one where it would feel the weirdest because it was such a tragedy <coughs> and it was so final the way that things were left. It's not like when someone leaves and they kind of say, oh, the door's open or maybe mm. we'll have a chat or something. It was very difficult. Um, yeah. I just think that their, their hearts wouldn't quite be in it. Mm. Um, I think, um, you know, it's... I imagine it's really problematic for Phil Anselmo to A, go back to those songs and B, you know, to be playing them with, with such a huge... With someone taking over for, um, for um, Dimebag. And um, there'd, be no, there'd be no kind of catharsis in it, I can't imagine. And I can't imagine him wanting to go back and doing that and revisiting... Um, you know some of the issues that that came out in the aftermath of everything. Mm-hmm. I, I think he wants. I'm. I'm pretty sure. A. He want. He'd want to put it all behind him. 
you, you just wouldn't be in the spirit and I, I can't imagine it being in the spirit of mm. um, of uh, you know the, the original music at all and yeah what would you be celebrating the return of Pantera you know the, the loss of Dimebag it's, it's it just seems all a bit it'd be I could it's just too many issues with that and mm. I hope it never comes to pass I just think yeah it would it would kind of I wouldn't say it will tarnish memory but it would certainly alter it mm. um, it's just such difficult circumstances isn't it because you had the original breakup and then Dimebag's death obviously afterwards like you said there's lots of layers there mm. yeah I don't think that playing those songs would resolve them I mm. think it would just um it would just show what a tangled mess it all is, and you know we have something that's kind of pristine as a memory, whether you you know whether you ever got to see them or not. But at least the idea of them, of them life, and I think sometimes I would just hold on to that rather than take the risk, and um, yeah, the possibility of it being a kind of a shit show. And who knows, you know, Fernando um, Sam is a temperamental guy. Who knows how this is going to turn out if he if he came on stage with Pantera? It's um, I think it's a recipe for disaster, quite frankly. Well, we have a much more light-hearted question to end on. Jamie Hansen asks, this is a good one, everyone, would you rather have really long legs and short arms or really long arms and short legs? I can see the um, certain practicalities not being... You know, it's an impracticality of having really long legs and short arms. <laughs> <laughs> like a T-Rex. General, general hygiene. <laughs> Oh yeah, you definitely yeah. You'd have to hire someone to help, wouldn't you? Yeah, um, and if um, you'd like Mr. Tickle, wouldn't you? If you had really yeah, but yeah. I, I think I, I think, I think Mr. Cool, Tickle though. in the Me Too generation is a bit <laughs> yeah. a bit problematic I'm as well. Seltzer, you've ruined the Mr. Man. Yeah. For fuck's sake, he was one of my favourite ones. I like, Don't make I like, me sinister. I like, I like Mr. Bump. I like, oh, yeah, I like Mr. Bump and Mr. Clumsy, Mr. Messy. Mr. I like Mr. Messy as well, but I. Th- this question, I, I don't know if, if anyone's seen Deadpool 2, it reminds me of a certain scene in Deadpool 2. I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't spoil it, but if you have to read in this question, you'll know the scene, I mean. But it, I think I'd have to go, I don't know, what, depends how really long it is. Like, would I be like <laughs> 11 foot tall if I had, if I had really long basically already. But the moment you could be like, you'd just fall over. Like you'd be a, if you were that tall, you'd be a wind, you'd fall over. And I think long... You could see into you'd be, things. You'd be, you'd be a knuckle dragger. You'd actually be a, you'd be a knuckle dragger. But if you had long arms, do you think you could sort of like wrap them around you a bit so that you could sort of hug yourself, well, so that you could sort of be kept out of harm's way? Because the last thing you want—what harm is coming to you that you need long arms? What if you're arms? just waiting for the tube and like your arms are dangling over the platform or something? <laughs> or what if you like? Cooking and your really long elbow just like goes in the hob. But cooking, if you've got really long arms, it'll be short, might even be easy. You don't need to oh, walk yeah. around the kitchen anymore, just stand in one place. And that you would sort be of really good actually. Move, you know, if you open the door, then you've got the, with a pan in the other hand. I guess what are the main advantages of having long arms and having long eggs? I think having long arms, like you said, you can reach lots of things, that's pretty good. Yes. <laughs> long legs, I guess, is your taller. You can and you can take stuff. and you can take bigger steps, but get it, around quicker. But you, it would be really shitting planes. Yeah, that's yeah, true. No, that's very true. Yeah, 
And if you went to a gig, everyone would hate Doorways. you. Doorways. Yeah, walking walk through the door would be rubbish. Long arms, I think, is the answer. I think I think we're warming to long arms, aren't we? I think it would, more it, advantages. It, it just depends whether they're, you know, if they look like pipe cleaners <laughs> or, they're not, or they're just like regular arms, because it's going to look ridiculous. Like you said about the long legs and staying up, like if your arms were normal arms and not instant mystical arms, how would you support the weight of your arms? Exactly. I'd get like... Well, basically crutches, but for your arms. <laughs> That's why I think if you're able to you, wrap them around yourself or something. No, you, you'd have to cross them all the time, which is kind of like a metal stance. Yeah, oh, so I'd okay. have to fold them over like twice. I, 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 think, I think freak shows would be more like to take you if you had uh, if you were short with very long arms. Yeah. There's you, probably more you could do. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. It's not only you've got long arms, but you've got short legs. Yeah. So you're, you're walking around and you can, you know, you can grab on, anything, but you're also about three foot tall. Could you walk on your arms, though, on your hands, like using the length of your arms? If you've got really good upper body strength, could you then just walk on your hands? But how is that a benefit to you? Because <laughs> you might be able to do longer strides walking then on your hands. Then just get the long legs. No, but if you've got long arms and short legs. But your argument is... But if you have long arms, you could walk on them. Or why not just get the long legs? Because if you're on the benefits of having long arms, but you don't want to be hamstrung by only being able to take short steps, you could learn to walk on your hands. You could, but then your head would be at the bottom, so your head would only be... That... No. You'd basically be like... If I had really long arms, I wouldn't walk on You'd you'd basically be like some kind of human Harley Davidson. (laughs) Yeah. And if you went... uh, Yeah, I think really long arms... But I would want some sort of shoes with about <laughs> some special shoes that are about four foot tall. Right, that's that's you, Luke. Jonathan, what are you going I'm for? Going, I'm going with the arms. I'm going to join a freak show, and um, I'm going to like do, yeah, do some kind of crazy trapeze stuff. I'm, oh, I'm going to Yeah, I'm also going to have long arms. Yeah, I'm going to be in like uh, just go go straight to a casting agency. Just you want a freak? <laughs> I'm, I'm a freak. I've always wanted to be in a freak show, actually. Yeah. So I'll I'll join you. Yeah. Well, we can be buds. So come see us, the, the, the weird long-arm freaks of Metal Hammer. Yeah. That's it. That's what we're going to do. Thanks for listening, guys. That's it for today. The new issue is on sale now. Go and buy it. Special Avenged Sevenfold pack. Free CD, sticker, poster, exclusive interviews, all the rest of it. Golden Gods, that is happening in a couple of weeks. Go get your tickets. Come see Meshuggah, Merka, Carpenter Brute. Two more bands to be announced. What else is happening? Luke's going to some places. I am. I'm, uh, tomorrow, or today, as you're listening to this, I'm going to see Svalbard uh, headline the Black Heart of London, supported by Mill, uh, who are fucking brilliant. Both of those bands are great on, on, on Holy Royal Records, and that gig's going to be wicked. And then on Sunday, I'm off to sl- my 10th Slam Dunk Festival to get really drunk and watch Every Time I Die. Well, there you go. Come back next week to hear about Luke's drunken experiences. Jonathan, <laughs> what are you up to? Um... I'm off to Bergen. How enough. unlike you. I know, right? Um, so I'm going off to a thing called Nordvegen, which is basically um, Einar Selvik from Vodruna and Ivar Bjornsson from Enslaved's uh, Hookshaw Project, um, all about uh, uh, all about the, the idea of like the early settlers on the coast of Norway. And so they're playing some, some shows along the coast of Norway on some islands and doing some talks and it's going to be absolutely incredible like there's one island called Breshevik which is just absolutely beautiful and a place called Us and um, yeah it's just, it's just going to be an incredible few days that sounds amazing if you see Jonathan on one of those islands buying a beer yes please do because it, it will cost you it will cost me about like £9 <laughs> 
Go on Facebook, join our readers group if you want to send us questions. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes or Acast. See you all next week, guys. <laughs> bye, bye. See you. Bye.